Welcome back to Mindful Endeavors. I am your host, New Age Alchemist, and joining us again is Lorena. And uh, we're always well, you know, we're always happy to have you back. Uh, really quick before we continue, if uh, we talk about anything related to mental health, understand that it's just a discussion and we're just trying to talk about it in a nuanced fashion. And uh, we're not medical health professionals by any means. If you need help, we encourage you to seek it and we encourage you to keep talking about these topics as we need more awareness to this. Okay, so you're back. And um, again, I'm happy to have you back. Uh, we're gonna hopefully continue uh, where we left off in the last podcast episode that you were on. Uh, I know you're a very busy person. You're a businesswoman, you have a family, but uh, go ahead and introduce yourself for those that haven't seen your last episode. Sure, well, thanks for having me back. It's good to be back. Um, and I, I've been enjoying watching all your podcasts so far. So really, it is an honor to be back. Um, so my name is Lorena. And I am, as he mentioned, I'm a business owner. I have two businesses, actually, where one is a group for women to be able to continue to build their business and work on networking, personal development and growth. And um, I'm also a financial planner. So um, yeah, I've got two kiddos. <laughs> you can, you'll probably hear them knocking on the door because I'm downstairs in my office on a Sunday here. So if you mm -hmm. hear any rustling around, my house is not infested with raccoons, just little people. So <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I, I mean, just really quick, like, how do you balance everything? Like it's cause I mean, being a mom is a full-time job. It is, um, with the support of a lot of people, it does take a village. So my mom lives here in Washington state as well. And we bounce the pickups and drop-offs and everything for school. Um, yeah, just the support of a lot of other great people. So it is it is easier on some days than it is others. Yeah. Now, with that being said, obviously, like going out and fishing, you know, because you fly fish a lot, mm -hmm. and then I, I know you, you know, you like firearms just like I do. Um, but all that stuff, yeah. like all those hobbies, and I would say, like even like passions, in my sense, I, I, w I would imagine you would agree as well. You know, they keep you, you know, I guess a little bit more stress-free than you would Absolutely. without those. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I was a financial advisor. I've been in the advising practice for seven years. I took a year off last year to go fishing, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, worked in a little outdoor store here. Um, I don't know if you guys have Sportsman's Warehouse down there. I don't think you do. Yeah. Um, I So anyways, I took a year off, worked there in the fishing department. And got to go fishing, got into hunting last year. So that was really exciting. Um, but when I went back into financial advising, my deal with my partner was I take Fridays off because I have the kids. Obviously, I have them Monday through Friday, but like during the day they're in school and I Monday through Thursday, I work. Friday is my day to go fishing, go shooting, go hunting, whatever it is I want to do. I do it. And then Saturday, Sunday those are my days for the kids. So usually I'm taking them hiking or fishing or whatever, but like fish Fridays, they're a thing. And my business partner par probably thought I was joking partially. And I'm like, Oh no, I am definitely not joking. Those are the only days that I have for myself. So that's mm -hmm. one of the ways I balance it is like almost a non-negotiable of like, this is what keeps me active in our business. And I need these days. So yeah. It's always good to prioritize time for yourself, um, mm -hmm. especially when you're, you know, juggling a lot of different things at once. Um, even sometimes uh, people that are successful do need to like take that time off as well. Like and have like a bunch of stuff, you know, being bounced around. Like, do you need that little personal time? Like, you mm -hmm. know, a few, few hours a week or one whole day a week at the very least. I mean, I would imagine. Right. 
uh, for me myself, I, I fish every day, like an hour or two. So, uh, it's only because like, I just, you know, one day I'm coming home from work or what have you. And where I see a pond right there, let's just stop by. I always keep a rod in my car, so why not? Yep. And, uh, it helps, it helps decompress for sure. And, you know, that's kind of like how you and I met, we met through the Instagram community and all that stuff. And you're a fly fisher woman. I'm going to say fly fisher woman. <laughs> so, uh, and that's something that I have set for as a goal of mine to actually learn this year is fly fishing. I love so, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. let me know how I can help in that. Um, whether it's helping you pick out gear, um, fly fishing is kind of infamous for being like a really expensive sport. Um, but I don't think that necessarily is true in the sense of the rod and reel and stuff and line is a little bit more expensive, but let's be honest, like how much do you spend on like one crankbait? Like you're spending $10 a piece maybe on those. So it's like, just don't buy more of those for now, buy your fly fishing setup and then you can continue. Um, so. Well, I mean, if we have to give up some stuff to buy a, a fly fisher, I should probably stop buying ammo. Just saying. <laughs> I would rather stop buying crankbait because I tell myself, oh yeah, I'm just going to buy a couple more boxes of ammo and then I should be set. No. And then I'm like, Ooh, there's some in stock. I should probably grab it just in case we have another, what was that? 2019, 2020. So uh, yeah. When no, you couldn't buy rough. anything, even shotgun shells were gone. So well, yeah. Uh, even like stuff for like, uh, yeah. Shotgun shells. Like I, I think Everything. they were selling for like $50, like for a box of like, 20 or like even more than that i think was ridiculous yeah. and that was just for the training ammo you know it's like what yeah well and i but. shoot trap quite a bit too especially through winter because all of our rivers are you know it's you can go fishing during the winter but it's really challenging so to be a new ish fly fisher it's incredibly challenging and it's a little more you'd be very motivated to get out on the river so i shoot trap a lot through the winter mm -hmm. so i've been stocking up on um trap load so that's yeah. been fun and i take people out like again with like the how do i balance everything well sometimes i drag people into my hobbies with me i'm like we need to have a business meeting we're gonna go do it at the trap like club so they've got a beautiful clubhouse so we go sit in the clubhouse and chit chat and drink coffee and then we go shoot a couple rounds and i teach them a new skill and so yeah the, that sounds perfect actually sign me up but anyway yeah. uh so we, we'll before we actually go into that, because that's a topic for later part, uh, later yeah. part of this episode, but um, where we left off last time, we were talking about expectations on social media, you know, your expectation versus what, you know, reality, like they don't always like line up perfectly, like, or even mm -hmm. at all for that matter. So um, I know that definitely has an effect on our youth. And there's even studies showing that this affects more young girls than it does, you know, young boys. So, I mean, I, I mean, we, we've, we've, talked about this before this is kind of one of the reasons why i wanted to have you on is because you know, i mean i think you posted something about a filter and then you posted the, the one without the filter and it's like night and day and like i've seen people mm -hmm. that like will use a filter and i can't even recognize that person like even as i'm scrolling through like the stories or whatever right yeah um it's kind of interesting because you know like as i was telling you earlier um i have a daughter and i have a son and i wouldn't say it affects like the self-esteem aspect of, of boys as much as it does little girls, mm -hmm. because I mean, you'll go on and it's like, 
it gave me longer eyelashes. It gave me like a different shaped face. It like contoured my face differently. It made my lips bigger. And I'm like, cool. So it's basically telling everything about my face is wrong, like according to the standards, you know? And I'm just like, even as an adult, I'm like, wait, do I need to fix these things? And I'm like, wait, that's stupid. You know, like, no, I don't. It's just like, but if you let it get into your head, it can really bother you. And we've seen this, like, and like you do you, if a girl wants to like do whatever she wants to her face, that's on her. Like, but like this, the pressure that we're putting on, on people to do those, because a lot of people will say, well, I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm doing it for myself. But why are you doing it for yourself? It's to make you feel better because you feel like you look better and then you get a better response from the public, you know? So it's like, so really there is kind of a a backstory of like, you're doing this for yourself, but to please others. And I don't like that pressure on my kids where I was playing around with filters the other day and there's like a Disney character one and my daughter and I were playing with it. And then like, there's another one where it just, again, makes everything different. And she, I, I, stupidly made the mistake of like putting it on her and she's like oh my gosh mom like we're so pretty like we're just so beautiful and I'm like that doesn't even look like us like that's not what people that's not realistic Mm -hmm. and so it's just it was so heartbreaking to see a five-year-old think man I have to change all these things because I don't look perfect and even in school she compares herself to other little girls like her hair is longer and it's always prettier and you know like she's got like her skin is different and like I didn't realize that it starts that young Mm -hmm. but they're also exposed to a lot more than we were when we were young so on and on the side of little boys it's kind of teaching them an expectation level as well like girls should look like this girls should behave like this like these are the things that I expect when I see like another human and I'm like no that's not not what other people look like so yeah Yeah, like have you I don't know if you've seen this reel where uh this one uh I don't know who who she was but somebody (laughs) somebody uh basically was like how what so your audio I don't know if it's just my phone or if it's your audio like I just don't want it to record this way but like we can't understand what you're saying so okay what about now? Mm, still doing it. Still doing it's it? It's very Let's robotic. See. Oh, if it's robotic, it's because it's really windy outside, so it might be the internet that's kind of like cutting in and out. But let me see. Okay, what about now? Still the same. Oh, you can't even hear me. Mm. Yeah, I just don't want you to get all the okay, way through this now? recording still still bad so okay okay what about now no it's still weird Mm. so i don't i don't know maybe it's just coming through like that on my phone so try muting yourself and unmuting yourself can you hear me now Mm, it's still funky it definitely sounds like it's coming from your mic though because every time you move the mic around mm -mm. No. Jesus. Okay. Is that better? Still bad. It's still bad. Yeah. 
But is it at least, can you at least hear it or? Uh, it's very staticky and like just really loud when you're talking in the sense of like, there's just a lot of background noise. It's weird. What about, what about now? That's perfect. Okay. So I was messing with the mic a little bit too much. Okay. All right. Let's continue from that point. Uh, what point, and I'll edit the, that part out in the, okay. before I upload it, but um, so where do we leave off? So we were just talking about the expectations of like little boys changes when they start to see girls showing up online like this, you know, mm. um, again, it's like you take a picture of yourself and then you like meet somebody in person and then you're like, Oh, what the heck? That's not what you look like in your picture. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, so I think uh, there's, the problem is, I think, even with us adults, when, when we look at when we use those filters, is that we don't re uh, realize that those were created by somebody else. So, uh, I mean, realistically, it's not a benevolent person that has like a universal standard of beauty, right? It's like they they have created filters based off an image that they got from either, you know, industry of what you know, fashion or whatever, or some other some other expectation. So that's one thing that we need to realize when it comes to those filters right and then <clears throat> also like you said uh, we grew up with different things i mean we didn't grow up with so many like different things that, that you know the next these generations are growing up with now and uh just yeah that's i think it's just a lot for you know the young mind to really handle and people don't really understand how vulnerable you know kids are as well yeah i mean you know it's they're at, at such an influential age mm -hmm. and they're like little sponges and anything that we tell them, whether we're directly telling them or whether it's through like, you know, like not subliminal messaging, but you know what I'm trying to say? Like mm -hmm. they absorb all of that and it's reinforcing these ideas of unrealistic standards. And it's like, um, kind of like to segue into just like social media in general, like in being realistic, it's like, take filters out entirely and think of like when you go to a place and like they take this picture and it looks like they're in this serene incredible place but what they don't pan around pan around and show you is the 10,000 other tourists that are standing on the bank of the lake and you're just like it's completely like devastated you know um certain ecosystems and environments and to the point where years ago I used to go to Glacier National Park all the time and it was always a busy national park but now it's so busy that you need a reservation to get in so and it's like you have these incredible lakes and then you have people who they see all these beautiful pictures and they want to go and they think they're going to disneyland and don't realize that grizzly bears live here so it's like um i read a review for glacier one time and it was like they should really keep the bears in a more viewable area. And I'm like, I don't know if you yeah. get how this works, but like, again, with like social media playing into like reality and, you know, like what we see on online, um, it's just kind of funny to me that there's a, a really famous place in Arizona called Horseshoe Bend. And it's this really beautiful bend in the river and it looks like a big horseshoe. And you're sitting on top of a big cliff looking down at the river. Mm -hmm. What they don't don't show you about that is there are literally thousands of tourists. And it is awful. Like the bend is really beautiful. 
but you're fighting other tourists. Like people have like almost fallen off the cliff there because there are so many people like pushing, trying to get up there. And I'm like, guys, like the drop on the other side is thousands of feet. Like, is it really worth a picture for you to accidentally knock somebody off the cliff? Like, yeah. So your social media post never shows that. So. Yeah. Uh, really and- beautiful, beautiful place I visited. Like, yeah, it's beautiful. But the other thousand people there are not. So. And that's kind of the thing, like, too, that um, there's no, uh, what is it, em- emphasis on preserving that, right? Like, and right. it's not like we're trying to sound like hippies or anything like that. But it's just like, you got to be able to preserve all that stuff for uh, somebody else to enjoy. I mean, you get, it's, it's free to just kind of look, you know, go up there and, well, not free, but, you know. Yeah. Some places are. Yeah, some places are. Horseshoe Bend used to be. It was really just like a pullout on the side of the river or on the side of the cliff that overlooked the river. But because of its popularity, they're now, they, you know, they created like guardrails and stuff or they were supposed to. I don't know if they finished it because I haven't been back. Um, But they like, they have to totally change this space now because of the influx of tourists because of the photos on on social media in particular so it's like that place has been there for thousands of years but like nobody cared that much until it started getting posted everywhere on social media i ended up finding that because that was really before social media got too crazy popular i ended up finding that in like a book somewhere i'm like Mm. so part of it is like the magic is removed when i'm no longer like hunting for those spaces on my own right um that's what people will ask me all the time like oh where's that trail at and if it's not a really well-known trail i'll give them the general area but then i'm like now you have to go do the research like i did so yeah and a lot of that is like uh just making your own your own experience out of the outdoors like um i've had that conversation with somebody before where it's like okay you can follow a a blueprint but you want to make it your own like right you know like that's kind of what the best way that you'll remember something is like, oh, well, like if you have a checklist of things to do, like you're really kind of putting pressure. I, I feel like you're putting pressure subconsciously, like, okay, I got to meet these, these, uh, I have to check right. off all these items in order to get that experience that's supposedly worth having. Like, in, in well, it's, I don't think that's necessarily the best way to go about it. I mean, right. you can, but you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, and I'm very funny when I travel in the sense of, I have a loose itinerary of what I want to accomplish. Like, for example, if it was like, I'm going to Zion National Park. Mm. And then I'm like, sometimes my friends get really annoyed because I'll see like one of those historic, like landmark signs, like the brown placards on the side of the road. And I'll be like, ooh, what's this? And I'll just like veer off the trail to like go look at that. Um, When I was in... I can't remember where I was. There's this really cool place where like the sand is like, it's not red. And a lot of the sand in that area is red. This one was like a pink, like a coral color. And it was just, Mm. it wasn't a well-known spot. There were probably like 20 other people there, which is not a lot in comparison to like Zion and stuff. Um, But it was this totally overlooked place. And I'm like, this is incredible. This is probably the coolest thing I've seen on this entire trip. I'm like, but people don't come here because it's off the beaten path. Like it's just, it was phenomenal. So it was totally a byproduct of me going, here's my kind of itinerary and I'm going to leave the rest of this to fill in the gap so I can make it a full adventure. So Mm -hmm. 
it was perfect. It was a free little spot to stop at. Like it was, it was a good uh, spot. It's very accessible. I think a lot of it, it comes down to um, having a good uh, way of seeking out information. Like you said, do your research. I think the same right. thing goes with like, you know, when we're looking at like kids and like how they're playing around with filters, like, um, you know, parents have, especially around these times, like parents have to deal with a lot so much to like, you know, be able to support families and stuff. It's sometimes it gets, uh, it might get missed. I mean, I, I can't really say it's that for certain. Cause I mean, I don't have kids. I'm not married or anything like that. Uh, just kind of from an outsider looking in, cause obviously people around me have kids and have families. So I could kind of see right. a little bit, but, um, you know, it's tough. Like with so like so much stuff you have to worry about and everything. And then, um, it's just, it's, it's, uh, really difficult. Cause you know, I know like when I was a kid growing up, like my parents would be like, Hey, how, how did school go? I should be like, fine. Like, so what do, what do they know? Like what I, you know, how my day went. Like, I mean, I only, right. they only know as much as I tell them. So there's all that to really like focus on. But I think, uh, as long as we kind of set the, the framework, like, Hey, you know, this is just, basically digital enhancement and it's just not real. This is reality. Like what you're seeing in the mirror, that's reality. And you should appreciate that and don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Right. Something like that. Yeah. Same, well, you know, same thing with nature, down, right? I'm yeah. Sorry, well, it comes down to communication with, you know, with your kids, with, with really everyone. Um, mm. But it's the communication piece where my kids, my son will do the same thing. Oh, it was good. Had a good day. Cool. What about it made it good? You know, mm. what was your favorite part of your day? Like, what was one new thing you learned today? Like, so it's like, you kind of have to dig a little bit, but it's that communication piece. And it's also holding open lines of communication and open space for them to be able to talk about these things where nobody else is really talking about this stuff with them. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's parenting's rough, man. <laughs> It, <laughs> there are it a lot is, of things it, that you're like constantly like shielding like no like keep them away from this and my son has discovered minecraft oh god and like so it, i was like put the tablet down <laughs> i know uh that's actually the i think i had a similar reaction when my nephew told me like oh you should buy minecraft so we can play together i'm like i'm like heck no so well, yeah, for one, it's boring. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, I, I don't, I don't like it. I, other people might like it, but you know, I don't have an issue with video games so much. Like, there are some really incredible video games out there. I appreciate the talent behind the scenes of the people who have created the video games because, like, that's an mm -hmm. art form, you know. Right. Especially like video games with like really cool storylines. Um, but it's like, again, there's a point where it's like this isn't reality either. Like, it's an escape from reality. And it's like, I don't know. So it's it's a very slippery slope, I feel like, because they're so stimulating and they're so addictive. Um, my husband's a gamer and <laughs> yeah. like, I'm I just recently gamer. started seeing him again in the last like couple of years. And I'm just like, interesting. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, he, well, doesn't, no. he doesn't fly fish or anything with me because it's, it's a lot of work, you know? Mm. Well, it's a lot of, a lot of it is uh, we need to kind of like, I mean, this goes for everybody, really. It's not even just kids in general, but like even our, our own selves is we have to fight this urge to get this instant gratification. I mean, that, that subject comes up a lot in this podcast. Like, I think, I don't know, there's probably like 80% of the episodes probably have mentioned it once. I don't know, something ridiculous like that, but it's because it's an issue that is, I think it's pretty much very prevalent and something we have to struggle against. Like, 
how like <clears throat> tying it back to social media and the, and the you know the outdoors and the communities that we're that we're a part of how many people you see that are trying really hard to get noticed so they can go viral like it's a bunch of people and it's not even mm-hmm. just with the outdoors or anything like that's so, like, everything that like even yep. just like putting games online and stuff like that and people doing imitating jackass and stuff like that well that like have you noticed this weird influx of like people lip syncing to videos and what the- i started doing that <laughs> yeah but it's just i'm like so some of them are really good but it's just like again it's like because those videos boost the algorithm and then like mm-hmm. i'll check my videos that i posted i'm like oh my gosh this one got x amount of views like did you see the one i posted where i'm wearing um a green flannel it's a conceal carry flannel yeah yeah that video alone like within a couple of weeks got over twelve thousand views and i'm just like mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. I literally put a song over it and showed you guys me putting a gun into a pocket in a flannel. Like, so I remember I that one. I, think, I remember that one. I think it's mostly the song that kind of like triggers the algorithm. It, but it the- does. But it's also a matter of like what the content is because you can pick a really popular song and then sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But it's like that's true. There's definitely a balance because it's like. I like the idea of sharing stuff and like, you know, when other people get to view it, I'm like, hmm, maybe I'm inspiring another woman to go out and like get her concealed carry permit or something like along those lines where in the firearms community, I feel like you see a lot of like people who are in it, but they don't ever talk about like the awkward things where I'm just like, people will rattle stuff off. And I'm like, I don't know what that freaking means. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just like, I would love to but I just started and everybody starts somewhere. And a lot of the videos and stuff that you see, they just show people in the community. They don't show people starting. So I'm trying to really reach that demographic of specifically women who want to learn how, how to shoot, who have never picked up a shotgun before and would love to go bust some clays with me, but have no idea how to even load the shotgun. So I'm just like, I want those people to not feel excluded from the firearms community because everything they else they see they see a girl shooting like three gun competitions and go holy crap well i don't know how to do any of that so i'm like in contrary yeah. to popular belief you don't have to wear daisy dukes in a bikini to know how to use <laughs> firearms so yeah yeah no I, I mean i get you on that one uh i think because like my uh gun bunnies. My, oh yeah i mean i think there's bunnies for everything like honestly like, there is. There's, yeah like the, but you the know. worst is seeing the fishing girls because probably because i'm so close to fishing where i'm just like you probably didn't even catch that fish like what the hell but oh well, am i allowed to say that on your podcast sorry yeah you're fine you're fine i think yeah. i have seen some people that have been accused of not catching their own fish but you know and but to your point but anyway like what i was trying to say uh sorry. so no no you're, you're fine uh so what i was trying to say is that uh so a lot of the stuff that I want to see like when, you know, like when regards to like lip singing, lip syncing, uh, I want to tie it at least to the outdoors, but at the same time, make somebody laugh. Like that's the whole point right. with, with at least like my MO with like my social media is either I'm going to, uh, well, obviously bes- besides documenting what I'm learning in the outdoors, because I don't know a whole lot. Like the only thing that I, I mean, I'm not even an expert. The only thing I did before I got into fishing, firearms and all that stuff was hiking. And that was because I was living in Southern California. So perfect place. But so I kind of like took this MO where it's like, okay, I don't necessarily want to brag about myself, right? Like, I'm not trying to do that. Like, I know I'm not accusing anybody or anything of doing that. But what I want to do is like, 
I want to either make somebody laugh either at my own expense or for, you know, some other reason, or uh, I want to basically inform one of the right. two. So, and uh, what I'm going to get doing with the with regards to firearms and even fishing is just kind of like, I already have one video that I produced and that's how to change the, you know, the drag washers on a reel, but I want to start producing that kind of content as well. So, you know, that's yeah. the, that's the one you thing that's missing. Provide value. So, yeah. have you seen uh, have you seen uh, that uh, that account uh, aquatic biologist? No. You should look him up. Uh, very, very, very uh, informative. I mean, he, I think he's a okay. bass. I don't know if he's a bass fisherman, but he knows a lot about built basically building and managing ponds, and very informative. And I think that kind mm -hmm. of content is really wholesome, and it's really something that should be probably having a lot more exposure. Unfortunately. Yeah doesn't trigger an algorithm sometimes. So that's the problem. Yeah, You know, his account that I really appreciate, like now that we're talking about laughs, I probably mentioned him in our last podcast, but he's so freaking funny. Joe, Joe versus fish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he could be like one of my favorite people. I'm like, even though you guys are both like gear fishermen, <laughs> I'll, I'll accept you. So oh, yeah, there's there, for those that, throw in, like one snooty fly fisherman uh, joke. So yeah, for those that don't know what we're talking about, there, I guess, I mean, there's a little, you know, I don't know, would you call it a war between gear fishermen? Gear fishermen is like what you see, like, you know, with the little spinning thing or even just a bait caster. That's what, you know, yeah. the gear, but the yeah, fly like fishermen. Conventional fishing. Yeah, conventional fishing. The fly fishermen are the ones that do the little casting thing. You know, I mean, that's, I'm sorry, that's not a good description. What, what exactly, how you would, how would you describe the fly fishermen? difference obviously the casting is different but what what you see with like people whipping the line back and forth i actually don't cast like that very often okay. um so a lot of that is in like movies and stuff and sometimes i do but that is to get more line out so the main difference obviously like the rod and reel are different and everything else but what we look at is if you look at fly line you have a really thick line because your fly doesn't weigh anything you're literally mimicking a bug in gear or conventional fishing spinning whatever you want to call it you have the weight of your lure that's carrying your line out so your line is really light for the most part i mean i know that there's heavier line and stuff but even like i run 50 pound braid it doesn't weigh anything so mm -hmm. yeah. um so the difference is is the line is what carries your lure or your your fly in fly fishing and you rely on the lure to carry your line in gear fishing so yeah yeah and, I, and, yeah and i don't have uh what's that metaphor i don't have a horse in this race like i want to try both i want to do both like fly fishing right. and gear i do fishing. both i was just giving you giving you a hard time yeah so i mostly fly fish these days um if i'm if i'm fishing to keep the fish for food um because every now and then i will go out looking for rainbow trout in a lake to actually take back and eat um i usually just go out there with either a cast master or a bobber and a worm because i'm like the only reason i don't do that is one it's boring <laughs> but it's a great way for the kids to learn that is probably how i would recommend kids get acquainted to fishing in general but um mm usually when they're eating worms like they will actually eat it because it's real food so they end up swallowing the hook so 
Yeah. Anybody that catch and release fishes when they're using like power bait or a worm, it just confuses me because I'm like, you're using a barbed bait hook. <laughs> we need to we need to help you on that because it's like they probably just don't know. But um, mm. so trout are pretty delicate fish. I know you guys don't have a ton of them, but I caught my first trout this uh, trout season back in December, I think, or January. I don't remember. I remember you had a little, um, cause we went back and forth with you're like, well, is this a brown or a rainbow? And I'm like, it's definitely a rainbow. And you're like, mm, my friend said it was a brown. And I'm like, it's not, but a trout yeah, is I got, awesome regardless. So I got a bunch of crap for the way I was holding that one. And that was all Sandy. And I, yeah, it, it, we, I've talked about it with somebody on this podcast where it's like, um, cause that's kind of like where we're looking when we're talking about again, social media, like I only posted the picture. Right. And I put, Right. And I put clear as day in the description. I did not meant to catch this trout. I was throwing a crankbait, a lipless crankbait. Somehow, Throwing some them. way. Yep. Yeah. Some, I smacked I caught plenty of rainbows on um, crankbaits. I'll troll it behind my kayak. And sometimes mm. I don't even realize I have a fish on. And I'm like, I'll like look over and my rod's behind me. And it's just like bending. And I'm like, what the heck is going on back there? I remember I was trolling this like big Rapala behind me. And I had this like rainbow trout that was like maybe 10 inches. And I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like you are not with the fish I was looking for. And I'm like, I felt so bad because I borderline killed the poor guy. And I'm like, you're not big enough to eat, but, and I don't want to, I want to let you go, but trout are really delicate. So um, the yeah. way you handle them, you have to wet your hands before you touch them. Like it's, it's a lot. And I got that They're... from you, by the way. So I, I like once, because once I had that post and we had a little back and forth, about whether it was brown or not, because the only reason why I thought it was a brown was because in that lake that I was fishing, it said it had brown trout. It's uh, there was brown trout in there or something like that, or like yeah. they stock it or something like that. So, and it was not, it wasn't like, like a clear, like rainbow, like ish, like it had like right. the spots, right. But it wasn't like, it, I didn't see that pink hue across the Sometimes the with the stalker bows, they're really like faded. They're not, they're not vibrant. Um, mm. Like some of the, if you go to my page and some of like the rainbows that I <clears> post <throat> are really just really vibrant. Um, a lot of those are actually a special fish up here in the Columbia river in the systems that flow from the Columbia, like the Spokane. Um, it's the native red band trout. So it's a rainbow. It's a species of rainbow with this really incredible, like maroon, dark purple, band on the side and um they're just different because they're they're wild they're insane to fight especially on a fly rod um but yeah yeah it's like and i didn't see that yeah it's um it's there are fish that i've caught where i caught my first walleye and i reeled it in and i looked at it and i was like what the heck is this and i went to to grab it by the lip and i, I saw its mouth and i'm like nope don't like that <laughs> so I ended up keeping that one. Um, I will say that that walleye felt like fighting a wet shoe. Like I just, I thought I had a stick like, cause he didn't run. He didn't do anything. So. Yeah. Well, you know, so my favorite fish to fight right now. And I, I think from the last time that we had the, our podcast episode uh, is a carp. And like, I've been oh, yeah. to that. I, I want to catch one on the fly for sure. Like that's going to be yeah. definitely a goal for, of mine, but for right now I'm just, you know, bait fishing them and, Oh, it's just it's it's amazing but I'm, I'm learning a lot about them so and again you back can to your literally comment. use flour and water oh i mean i use a or, I use um, hmm? like uh what is it 
like the masa, like for the um, like uh, tamales. The corn, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. But, well, I use uh, breadcrumbs uh, with corn, uh, a can of corn, and then um, garlic. Some kind of like no, either uh, Jello, some kind of flavored Jello. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that's what I throw. I just pack it onto a meth feeder and throw it out there, and but I really want to catch it on on the fly. Dude, my husband, because we have a ton of carp up here in our lake, mm -hmm. and like we were going by in the boat, and we're like, what is that? And it looks like the water is boiling when they're feeding. And he had like, he had one, brought him up to, up to the edge of the boat, and the second it saw it, it took off and it broke him off. So the second time we went out, he's like, oh yeah, I'm bringing my deep sea, uh, my deep sea rod, because he's a deep sea fisherman. He loves boats. He loves like, I mean, they'll fish like 400 feet deep. And to me, that's not, I don't know. It's not my thing. <laughs> so um, anyways, uh, he had his deep sea rod and that stupid carp still broke him off. Like, Must have been it was huge. we tried to net it and we just kind of like hit the fish and like couldn't get underneath it. And like it, it ended up breaking off. And I'm like, when it's breaking off your deep sea line, that's pretty freaking strong that's a big fish so well, um, even like a 15 pound fish will like like um that's the funny thing because i've seen uh a reel where they bas they're basically making fun of carp fishermen because they're they're glorifying catching small mouth and large mouth but they're you know yeah they basically like downgraded a uh, carp fisher but i'm but i'm like i'm looking at the reel i'm like dude like i know you've i mean you probably never actually caught a carp at all not even accidentally because like a two pound carp felt like a five pound bass, like, like mm -hmm. that, like, and it's just like, yeah. even, uh, even though I'm running 20 pound, uh, mono and I'm running a medium heavy, like with a very strong backbone, uh, catfish rod, like yeah. it's still like, like a three, a three, five pound carp still basically took that broad all the way down. Like, mm -hmm. and it's, it's just that, that to me has probably been my most favorite fight. The only thing that's come close, because I've recently caught a 15 or 16 pound carp, and that was, dude, that was insane. But um, outside, uh, behind that is when I caught my my uh, PB catfish, which was only 12 pounds. I mean, it's not, not it wasn't a whole lot, but I caught it uh, by, by a marina. And that was, <laughs> that was an interesting story because I was trying to do that and at the same time catch white bass, right? Because I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try a white bass. I've caught one before, and I was like, I want to eat one. So, um, I was trying, I, I said it, I, I didn't have my, uh, rod holder and I had this like cheap, like Academy. I don't know if you guys have an, an Academy out there, but, um, a cheap, like $2 rod holder, which didn't even set up correctly. It might've been defective, but all right, let's do a little bit of redneck engineering. I put a bunch of rocks to hold it around it, like a bunch of boulders, like yeah, you know, three bit boulders did that, you know, cast it out my pack bait. I was actually fishing for carp because there is carp in that marina. So, right. um, so threw that out there, let set the, I mean, put the rod in, in all the rocks and stuff and everything because it wouldn't dig in properly. It was just right. back right, right, right away. Took like 10 steps. All right, cool. Cast it out twice, looked, and then as soon as I looked to the side, all of a sudden I see the rod go down because the rocks didn't hold at yeah. all. They just brought it down. And then the next tug all the way like four or five feet into the water. I'm just like, oh, shit. Yeah, I just start running into the water and like I, I went in waist deep and pulled out the rod and just start, you know, setting the hook. Turns out that was my 12 pound, uh, 12 pound catfish. So catfish are crazy. I want to catch one of those. Um, I think it's called a red tail catfish. 
Um, they look like big giant bananas, but their tail is really red. So like they're okay. yellow and black. Um, I I love Stephen Ranella meat eaters. Oh yeah. Um, and he goes to I don't remember what country he's in. He's in um, South America somewhere, and he's in like the Amazon, and he's fishing for these giant catfish. He caught like the piranha to fish for the catfish. So it's really interesting. But um, anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, fishing is fun. Like there's just there's so many species out there. Like I really want to catch a sturgeon. Yeah. So, same here. Yeah. They're really protected, so it's it's hard to get down there. We have a really good river for it, but it's you have to have the right boat and everything else. So, yeah, I've seen a a video of like a giant sturgeon that just jumped out of the water when they had it like hooked, and it was I'm like, dude, this is awesome! I want to get on that. That they use are insane, like those giant Mm -hmm. like octopus circle hooks. I'm just Mm -hmm. like, holy cow! Like it looks like you can use that to like hang animals from in your barn. Like the thing's huge. So, yeah, yeah, but so obviously we agree that the outdoors and in our case specifically fishing, well, of course, fire ants, but it's specifically fishing is fun. Right. So let's go ahead and segue into our next topic, which is basically accessibility, uh, because it's one thing that uh, I kind of like um, really fond of because, I mean, for me, it definitely helped. It made my mental health better in you know right. exploring outdoors. So. Uh, yeah, let's go ahead and talk about that. Like, what, what, like, what uh, struggles do you see, or do you feel in your experience, like that we face, like in terms of like the accessibility or the barriers of entry into the sport sure. or, uh, activity? Yeah. Um, well, I think I should preface this start of the conversation with my family is very blessed to be able to afford everything that goes into getting outdoors, mm-hmm. and one of the things that you know, kind of, I guess for lack of a better word, irritates me is I'm like, man, this is really expensive. Like buying all my licensing and paying for all the tags and doing all the things. And even like, I have a rifle sitting in my room, actually in this room that I'm in, um, that I bought, but now I have Mm -hmm. to buy the scope for it. Now I get it. I could go out and get a much less expensive setup. You know, like I kind of went like, I was like, well, I don't want to buy a base level because I I can, like, I'm, like I said, I'm very blessed to be able to go do that. But like, there are a lot of people who I feel like want to get outside and just can't because they can't afford to do it. So it's like, where is, and as I mentioned to you earlier, I don't have the answers for this, but how can I go out? Because hunting and fishing should be accessible to everyone, not just two days a year. In Washington state, state, there's like two days of free fishing. And I'm like, well, if I'm a mom, and I can't afford to take my kids out fishing because I can't afford all the gear. I can't afford the licensing, like all of these things. And I'm not really like interested per se yet in fishing. Why do I want to invest all that money just to like get out for the day? But I want to teach my kids how to do this. I just want to get them outside. So it's yeah. like, where's that middle ground or people who hunt for food? It's uh, my goal is to be able to go out hunting and fishing so I can actually source my own food. Uh, instead of going to the grocery store and we're not going to get into the conversation of the quality of food on our shelves because that's a whole nother podcast Uh, we'll we'll mark that one down for another time Um, but anyways it's like if I'm going out there to hunt because I can't afford to put food on my table how in the world am I supposed to afford all of this so 
And I, I don't know what the answer is. I understand why we pay for licensing and for tags and everything else. And conservation is very important to me. I would say hunting and hunter and fishermen are like probably the top supporters of it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, is there a middle ground? Is there a way for people who just can't financially afford to go do these things who aren't as like fortunate as my family to be able to also participate in this? So I'm just kind of curious as to how can we get more people outside and not make them sell their firstborn child to do it? Um, yeah. And like, we should also, uh, I mean, yeah, cause we have to be very mindful of like how we get people out there too. I mean, it's not just like, like we talked about earlier in this podcast uh, episode, like, you know, we got to teach people to make sure they appreciate what they see on mm-hmm. the outdoors. Um, and even like, for, and like, we have to kind of like start with like, like, I think personally, we have to start with like definitions of what the outdoors is. Cause I mean, for example, I grew up in a concrete jungle where it was very, I mean, until I moved, uh, like even going on hikes was a little bit inaccessible just because it was, I mean, it's, it, it was California, like traffic is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have the time. You, you that has to be a weekend reason. trip. Cause you can't just drive down the street and get outside. Well, yeah. And even then, like, uh, like my parent, my mom, didn't drive my parents my dad had two jobs so like we never really got a day off so it's like we didn't have the time uh <clears throat> there's stuff like that because you know economic issues or whatever but uh what i think like i don't know if we can like you said i don't we don't have the answers like i don't know if it's even doable but it's like uh i mean i can't even i don't even know where to start because like there's so many things that i'm thinking right now but like public ponds uh you know they're there, right? And like you said, we do need a license. But uh, here in Texas, I think state parks are are free, completely free. Like you don't need a, a license. But again, being able to drive to them is a different story. So there's a lot of different factors right. that really contribute to how you can get into the sport. Right. Like, there's a lot of people in my situation where their parents didn't do like the hunting or fishing, and we kind of had to be self-taught or we had to like seek the information ourselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we can start with that first. Uh, that shouldn't be like just because uh, you know somebody's parents don't they didn't grow up with that tradition or that wasn't a tradition in how they grew up. Like we shouldn't let that stop us from being able to access the outdoors, whether it's right hunting, shooting, fighting. I mean, fighting, fishing, <laughs> not fighting. <laughs> fighting so, fish. That's what you meant. Yeah, that's what I meant. Fighting fish and fighting carp. So yeah, um, yeah. But um, that didn't, we can start there. Uh, in yeah. terms of money, though, that's the hard part. I don't know how to do that. Right. Well, and you know, I think it's, it's nice to know, and I'm sure that there are more nonprofits out there than I realize. And I guess that's kind of what sparked this conversation is maybe there are nonprofits out there that I don't even know about that are helping people. And I think it's very state dependent, like the state parks here in Washington state are not free. You do have to have a a fishing license. Um, And it's, it's just, it's not super accessible in the sense of like, unless you have a boat, then you can get out on the water and do that. There's not a lot of bank fishing. Um, So if it, yeah, so there's that piece too, but um, like the Mayfly project is a project that helps kids learn how to fly fish um, and like more specifically like at risk youth essentially um, or like uh, kids with like disabilities and stuff. So it helps their parents alleviate some of the pressure of, one, financially committing to something that 
I don't know, maybe the kid decides that fishing's not for them, like, but it, mm. they provide all the gear and the uh, learning opportunities to be able to go do that. So, um, you know, I, I grew up fishing with my dad, but I didn't realize that I wasn't really learning how to fish. I was learning how to reel in a fish um, <laughs> or how to cast a rod, but like my dad tied all my knots. He put all my stuff on for me. He picked the spots. Like, so it's like being able to like read water is really important in fly fishing. Being able to find structure is really important in bass fishing. Um, so it's like, and I'm still not great at finding structure cause I don't use a fish finder cause I'm stubborn. So, um, <laughs> but anyways, it's like, I'd be curious to know what other organizations are out there teaching people who maybe their parents don't care about fishing, but the kids want to learn. I've had a bunch of people ask me if I would teach their kids to fish. Cause they're like, for whatever reason, they got a wild hair and they, they want to learn how to fish. I hate fishing. Like, I don't even like fish very much. Like I don't want to do it. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm qualified to teach kids how to fish to be totally honest, but I bet you there are people who are. So, yeah. um, yeah, but I think, I think also, uh, <clears throat> like, I mean, obviously like if we, you know, become successful in our businesses and stuff like that, we can eventually set up a nonprofit that will do that and help communities locally. Yep. At least that's a start. Right. Right. Um, I think, uh, just showing like, like you said, like, you know, like their parents are not really into fishing or they never tried it like, a, a while back. I had. I was fishing for bluegill and like I, I had like this little girl that approached me and she's like, Oh, what are you fishing for? And then her, her brother also came and approached me. And then I basically had them cast my rod and they caught, they each caught a bluegill and they were happy about it. I'm like, I want to fish. And then, and so then I just kind of like, I don't know if I, if maybe I just wanted to hear this or I actually heard it, but like, as they were walking away, like the dad was like, Oh yeah, we'll, we'll get you set up. And like, we'll, we'll get all your stuff, you know, next time. And then we'll come back. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I, I, I just got two little people to, you know, like fishing. So, right. Uh, you know, that's awesome. Well, and that, you know, ties in earlier to what I was saying about like helping women get into firearms, but really it's like to pass it on to the next generation also of if I can get kids into fishing, whether it's starting with my kids or somebody else's kids and like, and we were talking about like proper fish handling techniques and stuff. Well, that knowledge doesn't just come out of thin air. They don't just know that stuff. So it's, if we're teaching them, that really gives us the opportunity of teaching them how to do it right. And like mm -hmm. how to respect nature and to not cut your fishing line off and like leave it in a jumbled mess on the side of the riverbank and be being able to like leave it as accessible as possible to the next generation after them. So it's one of the reasons, you know, I run my businesses not just to be able to provide for my family, but also to leave a legacy and to to have a footprint long after I'm gone. And part of that ties into getting other people into fishing, hunting, shooting, whatever. And like, just being that kind of like, that mentor and guiding point of like, this is why we do the things we do. And there's something about like when somebody's, it's like when we became friends, you're like, you like fishing. I like fishing. We're friends now. So it's, yeah. if we can teach little people how to do that, um, or I mean, shoot other adults how to do that. It's just, there's something that's like in human nature that, you know, most people are excited about that, whatever your hobby is. So, yeah. um, but we have to teach people how to respect nature and how to like care for it. Otherwise it, 
regardless of the amount of money, it won't be accessible in the future. So, yeah. Yeah. And um, I think that kind of would play into also like how expensive it would get. Cause I mean, the more you need to spend, you know, what is it? Uh, healing the destruction that people have made. I mean, destruction is probably over glorifying, but you know, like, you know, yeah. people trash certain places. Like we've seen, how, how mm-hmm. much trash have we seen? Like on rivers, on the banks, and yep. I can't even I can't even count. But you know, you have to pay to really clean that up, right? I mean, sure, we yep. can do it, and, and some of us have. Like I know plenty of people that will pick, will bring a bag with them in case they see trash or whatever, and they'll pick it up mm-hmm. if they're if they see it. But that could kind of also add into it, I would imagine. But I think yeah. the main factor is really just the information. The information is more of the, the probably the biggest barrier of entry I I see for example I mean in my experience because like you, like you talked about like you can get uh, cheap tackle but if you don't know where to find it where where you know you're pretty much not gonna find it right so it's the same thing with right. like, with like uh, losing expensive lures you know stuff like that like you gotta know how to fish I've lost plenty of them so exactly like you know and like mm-hmm. uh, you really have to kind of like do some research on certain lures like I mean. I'm a, more of a lure fisherman, I guess. Uh, but you have to do some research in terms of like not just going based off the most expensive one, not necessarily going based off the cheapest one. Because if you go, like, I can't even tell you, like, I've had some of the cheaper lures that I've worked that I've tried working and they don't work, and I just keep buying other ones and they don't work. And then I have an expensive lure that I cast out into oblivion and I'm trying to retrieve it. And, oh no, now it's stuck on a rock and I lost like right. 15, 20 bucks. I'm like, dang. Uh, yep. Like, you know what a chatterbait is, right? I sure do. Okay. I mean, I, I'm just saying because I don't, I don't know how, how much your gear so, fishing knowledge is. So, I well, well, you worked at Sportsman's Topwater. Well, I, huh? and I worked at Sportsman's Warehouse, but I mostly fish uh, topwater. I mean, mm. um, so my favorite thing is probably a buzzbait right now. But mm. yeah, I have a couple chatterbaits. Okay, so you want to know how much money I spent trying to learn how to retrieve one properly? <laughs> how much money did you spend? I probably like 250, 280. Yeah. Every single time I casted something. it out, I lost a $15 jackhammer. I'm trying to, I have flies right here that I bought from this guy that I, I tie like a couple times a week. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's usually pretty late for you. Um, mm. But I tie usually around like 7:30, 8 Pacific time. Um, but there's a guy that, I tie with pretty frequently and he tied me a couple bass and pike flies. These things are like probably almost $20 a piece. Because oh with fly fishing, a lot of it is like actual feathers and stuff. Like, look at this. For those that can't really see and are listening only, uh, these are a bunch of feathers. Like, I would say it's about, it spans about what, like four or five inches? Yeah, probably about that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's basically so, that on a jack head. Well, the head's not super weighted, but anyways, I won't get into the, to the, but it's an articulated fly, so uh, a lot of love because these are all handmade. Mm-hmm. So um, they actually make uh, hard baits too. So he makes soft plastics and uh, crankbaits. So for you and all of your your followers who are. Uh, conventional fisherman he really sort of <laughs> services like the entire fishing community because he's he's like i'm an angler i don't care how i catch the fish whether that's on a fly rod or a gear rod he's like i don't care i just love fishing and i'm like same fair 
That's my kind of dude right there. Same way. Look at that one. Nice. Pretty pink one. But it's all feathers. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I think, I guess one piece of advice that I would offer uh, when it comes to fishing and like beginning into it, which I'm going to, like, like, um, like I mentioned, I'm going to start making certain type of videos documenting my experiences as a way of informing for those that want to, you know, look for some somebody else's opinion. Uh, one piece of advice I would definitely uh, advocate, I guess, advocate and I would give out is like, be wary of uh, the lures out there that you're going to buy. Oftentimes, uh, the lures were, are more to pull in fishermen than they are to pull in fish. Yep. So, I mean... That's kind of, I mean, you know, it's, I don't know if it's controversial or anything, but like, you know, like somebody can make a bait and it'll work just as, as, as well as like somebody for somebody else's bait that's named, you know, the name brand or whatever. That's right. a thing. Well, Recently, of, what happened? I was going to say, one of my favorite uh, soft plastics is just a curly tail grub made by Kalins and they're cheap. They're so cheap. They're like $3 a pack. And they're just little three-inch curly tail grubs for smallmouth up here. Amazing. Amazing. I just put them on a jig head. And, like, there are plenty of other curly tail grubs that are way more money. So, like, Gary Yamamoto's, for example, those are some expensive soft plastics. Because we're looking mm-hmm. at, like, $7 a pack, roughly. I don't know. Maybe more than that now. Uh, but, like, mine were, like, 3 bucks. So... You know, like, don't don't be uh, fooled by some of, like, the smaller companies, I suppose. But a lot of that is all marketing. And they'll put all these fancy things on the packages. And you're just like, you know, you'll buy it because it sounds good. So. Yeah. And, I mean, again, we're, we're, I mean, I'm bringing this up because it's part of the whole accessibility topic. Because, I mean, somebody that's coming in, like, you have to really be... Uh, mindful of like what you're going to purchase right so it, and yeah you're right in that sense like sometimes like like uh, I had an example uh, I forgot which well I had an example with a uh, one specific type of soft plastic but to your point like you know it was like really cheap like it was a it was a bass uh, pro shops brand and it caught you know a bunch of fish a little bass pro uh, swim bait actually like a little three inch swim bait you know, it's work, it works well. And like, you can get like a pack of like 12 or 15 of them or something like that for like four bucks. And, you know, that'll last you for a good amount of time. So um, another thing too, when it comes to accessibility, like, you know, you're very limited, you're very, especially because you're very limited on dollars. So you got your cheap rod. You know, I mean, Ugly Stick is a brand that I think a bunch of people are familiar with because it's, you know, something that a bunch of people started with and they're really cheap really, and they'll last almost forever. But, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, you I got your Ugly Stick. stick. You still have yours? Yeah. I mostly fish my my Abu Garcia, my Revo X, but I still break out the ugly stick. Yeah, mine got it's stolen. It's indestructible, man. Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, have, did you see the, the old, like, marketing around that or the, the old commercials, like, in the 80s, like, early 90s? Mm-mm. Like, they had, like, WWE wrestlers, like, bend the rod to just show how, <laughs> like, indestructible it could be. No, I've not seen those. You should look them up on Google Images. Like it's pretty funny to to to, uh, to watch. But um, but yeah, like you got you know your cheap rod and you know mo- monofilament is pretty cheap. You know you don't necessarily have to start out with a 
uh, braid or fluorocarbon, but it's important to really understand the type of baits you're throwing because you don't want to be just buying baits, buying baits, buying baits when your money is very limited. And how to fish them. I think, mm -hmm. I mean, and one of the best free YouTube or free resources out there is YouTube. Yeah. You buy something new, Google or YouTube, how do I, how do I fish this application? Because there are a bunch of them that took me so long to learn how to fish. Like, because yeah. you think it's pretty uh, intuitive, but like some of them are not. Yeah. And I mean, uh, I didn't know what structure was and I kept on throwing my chatterbaits on the structure. And that's why I, I racked up $250 worth of chatterbaits. And I never, it wasn't until like at the, you know, whatever, the 250 mark, the last one that I bought, that's the one that finally caught a fish. And I'm like, all right, I'm finally knowing how to catch a fish. And I'm not getting, not losing them as often. Right. So, and all that stuff is money. And when you're already limited to it, like you, mm -hmm. you know, you want to make sure you don't lose it. So, yeah. Right. And uh, yeah. I re I recently got into swim bait fishing and you know how expensive I can get. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've lost a $50 uh, swim bait, which is actually cheap. Yep. Uh, so that's so painful, hurt. but. Oh yeah. It's no, it was really painful, dude. Like, you're like why like i don't why is this happening so well uh to the point that we're trying to discuss about information so i caught the first time i fished a creek i threw a little swim bait right now well, i guess not a little bit of swim bait caught it caught a pretty decent sized fish i'm like all right there's pretty big fish in here right so for some reason i decided to throw that swim bait into the creek when it's really narrow and I got it stuck immediately on the first cast, and that's that was it. And somebody's like, why are you swimming large swim baits in creeks? Like, that's not necessarily wise. Like, you know, it's like, ugh, I wish it would have told Seemed me Seemed like a good fish. idea at the time, okay? Like, Yeah, I mean, I saw a big fish. I figured, hey, they'll go for this. Nope. A tree yeah. branch went for it. Well, I mean, it's like I have these flies sitting here, and the reason they're still sitting pretty in their packages is because I'm afraid to throw my – $20 fly out because I'm like sometimes the river is so unforgiving and I always like laugh because I'm like I tie a fly and I'm like this one's for the fish this one's for the river gods <laughs> so you gotta make an offering first right yeah yep that's how it works but yeah yeah I mean we don't have all the answers right uh we just kind of nope. talked about like you know certain things that we kind of like see but uh yeah I mean I, I don't know like is there anything like you would recommend for people to start? Because I remember we had this conversation where I saw the, what is it like? A, I don't know, thirty dollar, forty dollar rod and reel for fly fishing that you told me like mm -hmm. don't buy. Like yeah. any, any recommendations around that? If you're trying to get into fly fishing and you absolutely can't afford anything else, it's certainly better than nothing. But what I will tell you is you'll outgrow that rod very quickly, and you won't want to use it if you catch a fish on it. And your gear in this case, because you rely so heavily on, I would say the most important piece that you actually want to spend money on is line. And a lot of those little combo kits come with line. It, you might as well just take it off and put it in the trash can. Um, you would be okay. Like if you bought one of those setups and then you just bought good line and put it on there, you would be able to like cast it and stuff. So I would say my recommendation would be if you plan on actually wanting to learn how to fly fish and to actually be able to do it more than one time, spend a little bit more money 
save up a little bit longer and buy something that you're going to be able to use for a longer period of time. So there's a combo kit called the Echo. It was the Echo Base when I bought it. I think they changed the name to the Echo Lift. Same rod, same combo. It's probably, it'll probably run you a buck 69 with uh, like the line, the rod, the reel. As soon as you can replace the line, you'll be okay your first couple of times out. But um, I would say probably commit to spending a couple hundred bucks to get into fly fishing. And then you're going to spend more because you're going to buy all the flies and stuff, which you do the same thing anyway when you're, you know, when you're conventional fishing, you just don't realize it as much. Mm. Um, But I would say buy something that's going to last you a little bit longer and won't make you actually hate the sport. Because if you get the the wrong gear, it's kind of like buying an ugly stick, which is like, what, 70 bucks roughly or a Zebco rod. And then as soon as you throw it out and you catch a medium-sized fish, you're just peel and drag. So it's like, those are okay if you're teaching kids how to catch bluegill. But a lot of these Zebco rods, I'm just like, I remember trying to reel in like a 15-inch rainbow and the drag was just slipping. And I'm like, I can't even reel in a 15-inch rainbow. (laughs) So um, I think that that's important to not just buy the first thing you see, but to, and if you pay attention to like Facebook marketplace and stuff, um, you can find some deals and stuff too. Yeah. So, so the, one, one of the good things though, uh, cause I mean, we're talking about price points and stuff. One of the good things I think, at least what I've been seeing, cause like, you know, I'm into bow, I'm into bow shooting as well. I mean, shooting bows, uh, you know, fishing and everything with the exception of maybe firearms. A lot of the outdoors activity, like fishing, hunting, and all that stuff, well, hunting with the bow, bow, shooting, and all that stuff, um, I feel like they have, they may have like a barrier of entry economically in terms of like, like, for example, like a fly, like a fly fishing rod will cost you 169 uh, But when you buy that, and if you're careful, that's, that will get you started for a long while. Like maybe, yep. if, you know, you'll be yeah, good. I, I fished with mine for a year and, a year and a half maybe a little less because i've only been fly fishing since yeah it's been less than a year and a half because i've been fly fishing since not this past september but the one prior so i hit my one year this last september 2021 Nice. but i kept that up until about christmas time when i had a friend gift me a sage rod which is it's like a 400 hundred dollar fly rod so oh dang yep <clears throat> yeah. um but that's not necessary. Like I was catching fish on, in fact, to this day, I've caught more fish on that rod on the the cheap setup than I have on the expensive one. Now, part of that is I haven't been fishing as much because it's winter and it's hard. Fishing in the winter out here is really hard. Um, if you don't know what you're doing, which I would still say in terms of fly fishing, I don't know where to, to find the fish in the winter. Like, cause in the summer, you read the water different, and in the winter, they hold in different spots. So it's really so infuriating. What you're saying is, is gear fishing is better, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> what I'm saying is fishing in the winter is a pain unless you're ice fishing, and I have no interest in ice fishing. So I do have an interest in ice fishing. You can't do that here in Texas, but it was really, uh, really cold. Uh, I mean, it was a little, it was milder than last year, but uh, we've had a few freezes this year or a couple of freezes uh, yeah. this time around. But uh, when the last one that we had, 
I was out there in 26 degree weather trying to fish and I actually got a bite, but here's the problem. So, um, I got a bite, but at the same time after not even checking, uh, cause I, I think, I don't know, something got caught up with like the treble hook and I was mm-hmm. trying to, uh, you know, do that while my hands are and while my Your fingers are frozen. freezing. Yeah. So it was really tough. So in all the time that I was spending the guides, like the eyes of the freeze, of the rod, yeah, they froze Yeah, like, to the point where only the line was able to get through. Mm-hmm. And somehow I think like that kind of messed it up to a point where like I was finding this fish and I couldn't really reel it in. Like it was just stuck in that certain point. So that and your oil and your bearings can start to freeze over too. That's probably what happened. Like it wasn't like a, a really expensive rod. That's a, that's the only good thing. Like uh, I was, it wasn't an expensive rod. It wasn't an expensive reel, but it was, well, I mean, it was expensive. $80 is expensive for a big caster, I guess, or that's cheap. What, what, what would you say? Is that cheap more or less? I mean, there's big caster like $200. Mid market, I'd assume. Like I'd say like they still consider the ones that are like between like 75 to a hundred bucks, still a cheaper bait caster. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, it, it was a BFS uh, reel. So for that type of fishing, that was the cheapest that you can find. Uh, right. But like 75 bucks. But anyway, so I wasn't feeling too bad, but uh, yeah. So I basically was fighting it with a fixed line more or less. I was like, I don't, I don't yeah. know what to do here. And I'm stuck and it broke out. One of the That's what you do. Well, what I tried to do is I set the rod down and I was trying to like grab it and go like this, like, like pull hand. it from the top, almost like freelining or not freelining. Uh, hand lining. Yeah. Yeah. That. And uh, that's what broke off part of the treble. And cause I think I, said, I only had, had it hooked by one of the little prongs by one of them and it broke that one off. So now one of my treble hooks only has two prongs. So yeah, yeah. you can switch the treble hooks out though. Yeah. But I was just like, damn it. I would have caught a fish in sub-freezing temperatures like that would so, been awesome i do have a couple of like because i've been out there in days that like it's been cold it's been very cold but like one of my tips is so i wear waders in the winter obviously because you'll freeze if you're trying to stand in a river and not mm-hmm. wear them um uh, but in like my waiter pocket there's like a chest like a hand pouch basically i put a towel that i got from like the dollar tree it's a microfiber um, really soft towel that is used for like, um, cars. So I put that in my pocket and then I take a hand warmer and kind of like, almost like roll the, the towel, like a little taco and put the hand warmer in it. So after I, you know, touch the water or whatever, I wipe my hands off on the end of it. And then I set my hands inside of the pocket and it warms your hands back up. Cause once your hands start freezing, it's really hard to tie knots and stuff. Um, and then if your your guides freeze, you can either pick the ice out or one of the things I like to do is just dip the rod in the water and like with the rod and it just throws all the ice out of it. So, yeah, I found I learned all of that the, the hard way. And yeah, uh, I don't regret it, I don't regret it. But yeah, you know what? it's still fun. It's still fun to be out there. So um, I mean, I'm talking about it right now. So it's obviously made for a pretty decent little story. Right. Um, the, the most brutal days I've ever been out there are when it's like not quite freezing, but it's snowing and raining at the same time. So you're just like, cause snow is whatever just brushes right off of you, but rain, you get all soaking wet. Plus the snow is trying to stick to you. So sleet, it's the worst and wind. I can't do wind. It can be a warm day. Wind is the freaking worst when it comes to fishing, especially fly fishing, because you have this really light object that you're trying to get perfectly out on the water. So, 
I would say wind is definitely the worst. Because, I mean, I can, like, last year when it froze, it was, like, what, one degree? Like, which is rare, but it happens in Texas. Um, and I was outside with no wind. And I was, all right, this isn't too bad. But, like, there's been times where it's, like, 33 degrees and it's, like, super windy. So, and yeah. it just feels miserable. I'm like, dude, like, it feels like mm-hmm. little tiny little knives are stabbing me, you know? Like, it's, yep. uh, the other cool tip that I will tell you is I've put hot water in like a like a hydro flask or something before and because I'm standing in the water now my my waders have neoprene booties and then the water still goes inside of your boots like the boots are, aren't waterproof obviously but like your feet will start to freeze even if you're wearing wool socks and all the things but I'll take the hot water and either pour it on my hands to warm my hands back up or pour it inside of my boots so mm. Yeah, if you're ever out there and it's super cold, just bring a canteen of like hot water to be able to like warm your hands and stuff back up. So, I definitely have to go fly. Uh, well, go fishing up there. Uh, yeah. one of these days. I would say if cold. you wanted to come up here, uh, fall fall is the best time for you to come if you want to get on some fish because um, they're just everywhere. So summers okay depends on how hot it gets. This year we've had a pretty like good winter. So the water shouldn't get as hot, but for trout, once the water hits over 65, you can kill the trout. So again, with our delicate, beautiful little fish, um, the mortality rate is a lot higher if you catch and release trout after the water is over 65 degrees. Yeah, tasty little fish. Um, Rainbows are really tasty. So I was actually uh, trying to catch more of them because I only caught two because I was I forgot, I got there late and uh, the first day it's, they, they stocked and I caught two and I was like, all right, this is good enough. And, you know, now, now because of what you've told me from the last time that we had the little, you know, issue with like the brown and rainbow and all that stuff. Yeah. I was the very first thing I did, dunk my hand into the pond and then grabbed it with the hand. And I was like, all right, yep. cool. Now, so, I, you know, your advice or your, you know, your knowledge was definitely present in this noggin right here. So awesome. Uh, I love that. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, one other thing too, that, cause you know, just to wrap up the, the topic of accessibility. Uh, so we were talking about like not spending so much money, right. Cause we don't necessarily need to, like, if you're talking about just catching fish and you get a lure and it works, just keep throwing that. Right. At least to start off like, that's, that's what we're talking about when, you know, you make the initial investment, but then it can last you for a while. Right. Now you have to be really careful how you create, because uh, again, we're talking about social media expectation versus reality. Sometimes people post a bait for whatever reason. Uh, it may or may not catch fish. That person may have not, may or may not have catch caught a fish with it. But it's important to really kind of like do your knowledge before you're like, oh well, this person put this on there, so they must be good. Like you know, right. do a little bit more research. Well, yeah, especially with people who are like sponsored by certain companies and stuff. Um, so. Yeah, I don't like to represent anything that I'm not actually using. So um, I actually have a ton of stuff um, to go catch some smallmouth from my friend Adam, the guy that I told you ties flies for me. And um, Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm like, hopefully I can actually post pictures with fish because this stuff's amazing um, as far as like looking at it. But I'm like, hopefully I can go out and catch some fish and share that with people. I'm like... If you're going to spend the money, like supporting a small business is super freaking rad. So that's what I do with most of my stuff is support small businesses. So 
Yeah, definitely have a, a good uh, balance between the two because, I mean, I thought about this the other day too, and it's kind of a little bit off topic, but it's like, yeah, you know, I would love to support every small business, but sometimes like, you know, you look at people that work at a bigger business, like, or like a, even like a corporation, like you got to spend a little bit there because yeah. people need jobs. So it's like, right. So you got to, it's a mixture that you have to really balance out. Oh, absolutely. And the the realistic, like the reality is, is I'm never going to sh- stop shopping at Sportsman's Warehouse. Um, but it's like, I know a lot of the guys who my, my go-to is the fly shop in North 40, which is another like corporate business, but they've got like 13 stores. So in comparison to like Bass Pro Shop, they're not huge, but the customer service is just like unmatched. I mean, these guys are, everything I know about fly fishing has come from the North 40 fly shop. So it's like I spent a lot of my money there, even when I was working at Sportsman's Warehouse. But then it's like I tried to like reserve a pocket of money to be able to. Do I need more flies? No, probably not. Like I tie my own flies. I can't tie anything to this quality because I just started. But like when I have extra money, I'm like, sure, I'll buy flies from you. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and there's a lot of, there's a lot of good people to support so obviously i'm not saying don't stop doing that like i'm definitely right. not saying that like keep, keep supporting people there's a lot of people that that uh do a lot of philanthropic of uh what is it task or events because of the stuff you know that you know the support they get from the community so that mm-hmm. that's always a plus yeah uh, and also when i when i was referring to like you know people posting pictures of baits i'm not saying like you know that's a bad thing it's just that you know people need to do their own research before they want to make the investment. Right. Well, and again, I think it comes down to like, maybe they fish it, maybe they haven't, maybe it's like their favorite thing in the entire world, but like they've put in time to like learn how to fish that bait properly. So it's like, Mm -hmm. if you just get it and like, so my stepdad threw in a big, like five inch Senko because he's like, Oh, somebody told me like that these like, um, these watermelon, like red flake, like uh, Yamamoto worms were like the thing to throw. But then he literally threw it on his like Zebco like rod and like just tossed it in and just like let it sit there. And like, kind of like you would fish like an app. You can't fish it like that. You know, I'm like, like, you can technically because you could do whatever you want. But the odds of you catching a fish are very low. So um, it's just funny. So anyways, uh, I should probably close up here and um, get to these kiddos before they break my door down. But No, that's fine. Uh, I was actually going to – that's what I was saying. Like, we're going to wrap up the, that topic. But, uh, yeah, you know, we, we hit a little bit over the hour mark. Uh, there was phone a... call after phone call. So. Oh, you're getting phone calls? I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, then, you know, again, uh, we're, we're past the one hour mark a little bit, but yeah, I think there was a glitch in the middle, so I have to edit that part out, but, yeah. uh, yeah, so it was definitely awesome talking about all these things with you and, uh, let people know where they can find you. Um, awesome. They, I mean, the best way to get a hold of me when it comes to like outdoor stuff is definitely on, on Instagram. Uh, and it's just at Lara. So L A R A dot Y E V. Uh, Instagram is probably the easiest way to communicate with me. Um, but yeah, I think that's awesome. good to go there. All right. And last thing, uh, any last final thoughts or anything you want to emphasize that you, you want to, you know, bring up really quickly? Um, 
try not to pay as much attention to what you see on social media and just get out there and have fun for yourself. If you're learning a new hobby, it's going to be frustrating. You're going to want to throw your rod in the water, but don't do it. Don't give up. And uh, somebody that I came across not too long ago told me the best thing is I'm out there and I'm listening to the water and I'm listening to the birds and I'm, you know, I'm just enjoying nature. And every now and then a fish interrupts me. And it was just such a beautiful way to look at it because sometimes you get so wrapped up in the nuances of I'm not catching a fish, you know, it's, but why are you really out there? You know, it's, and it changes your perspective. So that's probably my final thought on learning a new hobby like fishing. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I'll just add on to that by <clears throat> something that we didn't really emphasize, but we did mention in this podcast uh, episode is that uh, make the experience your own. Uh, you'll yeah. me- you'll enjoy it a lot more and you'll rem- remember it a lot more when you truly mm-hmm. make it your own. All right. Well, yep. thanks everybody for that are still watching and listening and appreciate the support and uh, we'll see you for the next episode. Uh, really quick, stay on like one minute before I end the episode. Sure.